We are your health and safety angels, Daisy Silcock and Lindsay Mason. Health and safety, busting the barriers. Oh, and welcome to Health and Safety Angels and Happy New Year. Well, sort Happy of New Happy New Year by the time you listen to this. I'm just not a fan of saying Happy New Year for too long after it's happened. Oh. I'm like a Grinch. <laughs> it, you know, I, I dropped my son back to school today. It was the first day back and it was all Happy New Year. How was your Christmas? Happy New Year. How, and you think, how many days of this can we do? I know, it was like a holiday. You know when you've been away for two weeks and then you're back two days and it feels like it never happened? Yes. New Year's, it's nearly two weeks for us since New Year's happened. Oh, yeah. Good point. It all flies so quickly. So how are you, Lindsay, anyway? You sound slightly depressed. Oh, no, I, I just don't... I'm just not a fan of Christmas and New Year because I don't like the cold um, and it makes me sad. And I've just got back from sunny Spain, so I'm even more sad because I got the opportunity to be warm and now I'm freezing again. Was it warm? It was warm. How warm are we talking? We're, well, beach during the day. Oh, God. And you might need a hoodie in the evening. And when I say evening, I'm talking 10, 10, 30 at night when you're sitting out. Have I ever told you that I don't like you? I just like the sun. I can't, oh. and I'm, yeah. And so I will do what I can to be in it. And people always oh. say to me, oh, you go on so many holidays. You don't see that I don't buy clothes, I don't buy shoes, I don't go to cinema, I don't go bowling, I ride a bike and walk my dog. It's all free. True. Got, got to pick your, pick your goals, right? Um, I did buy you something recently, though. I bought you something, didn't I? You did. It was a very lovely surprise. One of my only Christmas gifts, because <laughs> I'm so bad I don't do Christmas presents anymore either. No, I wasn't talking about Ruben's oh. um, Christmas tree decoration. I mean, his new love interest. Oh, but I don't have that yet. Well, no, but I'm going to post it to you. Okay, well, I could tell you I've bought you a Gucci handbag. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I have in I my just, head. I've just got to post it to you. Yeah. <laughs> it's got lost in the post. Oh, Christmas oh. is a funny time because everyone is so... How was your Christmas? How was your Christmas? And because I don't enjoy Christmas, I either have to lie and say, yeah, it's great, thanks, how was you? Or I go, yeah, I'm not really great, I'm not really a fan. And then they're like, oh, God, what do I say? Can you come to Wales one Christmas? No way! Oh, my God, I'm not going to go even more grey and wet, am I? Oh, no, I meant to hang out with me. Yeah, but I don't want to go somewhere cold and wet. You come to Spain with me. Okay, go on. Twisted my arm. It's so, I just love Christmas away. You get loads of Brits with their Christmas hats on and having your pints around the swimming pool. It's fab. I love it. And you've, you're with your family, so it's... If you take them, of course. I didn't even take mine. <laughs> and you know, my favourite Christmas song is that one that goes, Feliz Navidad. Oh. Feliz That's Navidad. an earworm. You know what an earworm is? Yes, it is a total one absolute yeah. earworm i found yeah. myself singing that every day because in in <laughs> spain they have speakers in the street so yeah. you've got christmas music playing all the time mm. yeah well i have an eight-year-old who just sings deck the halls permanently even now he's still singing deck the halls oh but it's usually things like deck the halls with sounds of far hearts oh. yeah. <laughs> that's because you've got a boy child i know i know <laughs> yes um we mentioned before i just was going to ask you um it talked about the post office. Have you watched? On... No. 
Oh. I haven't. Because I want, I need, I want to sit down and watch the whole thing. But you knew what I was talking about. Exactly. Oh, Mr. big Bates story versus the post office. Oh, what? A, oh, I'm not even going to say anything. We'll have to talk about the next episode then, because uh, wow, there's some, how uh, does it take a TV show to I bring know. up such a massive story? ITV it's disgusting, really. Must be like. They're, they're going to get all sorts of like awards for this, aren't they? Amazing. Um, it's just well, amazing that that's the, how our society works. It's shocking. The first scene of it, which I, I'm not going to give any spoilers, but the first scene um, is Llandidno in North Wales. And actually, where it was filmed is opposite my hairdressers. Because... I was there in the hairdressers. This well, it was December last year, so December 2022 when they filmed it, and I was sat in the hairdressers as they were building the set of the post office on the street opposite. Wow! So I could see everything that was going on. We didn't see any of the famous people, but uh, yeah, it's a great cast as well. Like probably the best northern actors that we've got in the UK. So it's a really oh, I'm good excited. Cast. Yeah, I yeah. look forward to that. I do like you a should... binge. Yes, I think I binged it. I thought it was. I mean, it's it's a tough watch because it's not pleasant to such. But, um, yeah, we'll talk about it next time. Okay. Um, another thing, and I don't know if I have been living under a rock, but um, the IOSH magazine came, I think it was between Christmas and New Year, and I, or whenever it came, and I saw an article in there about Mavis Nye. Wonderful woman. Um, who did huge amounts of campaigning in relation to asbestos because she had mesothelioma. I think, if I, am I right in thinking that she ended up with mesothelioma from her husband had it and she ended up getting it a sort of secondary they believe so yeah so he worked on the ships and um he would come home from work having worked around asbestos all day and she did his laundry um Mm. and that's how they believe she uh, ended up with this disease and she fought for such a long time so she was part of um uh, a trial so they tested out a new drug okay. and there were three people I, I was going to say ladies but I'm not 100% sure but there were three people that were part of this trial mm. and um two of them lost their lives uh, it hadn't worked but for her I'm I'm not 100% but I believe that the mesothelioma actually went away for 3 months um, okay. And then her next checkup, it came back again. Um, but she fought and fought. And I met her at a health and safety expo four or five years ago. Mm. Absolutely wonderful. And when I was chatting to her, her biggest fear, this would be maybe at the time, I don't know when, when she did actually pass recently, but her biggest fear was how her husband was going to manage with things like washing the neck curtains when she was gone. And it just broke my heart. Imagine so if, having to worry like that. So, is her husband still alive? Yes. Oh, gosh. Yeah, he, they're, they're a lovely couple. They went everywhere together. 
talking to different groups about the dangers of asbestos and what we should be doing in the industry to make people aware. Even now, I don't think people... There are still people that don't truly understand the, the danger of asbestos. No. It's it's like anything, isn't it? It's one of those hazards that because it doesn't instantly kill you or injure you or harm you, it, it can be quite an uphill struggle to get people to actually understand how dangerous this is. But but year on year, it kills more people than any other hazard in the in the UK workplace. So well, I have I don't know if we've talked about this, but I am really passionate about our children being educated in health and safety before they go out to the workplace because ultimately we're relying on the person that employs you to train you on certain hazards and if asbestos is not a hazard in your workplace you're not going to go through asbestos awareness training Mm. so you could end up never knowing unless Mm. someone actually tells you Um, and some employers are fantastic give great training courses and people are very knowledgeable then others either have very substandard training or none at all I remember buying my first house when I was about 22 and we ripped out the entire house with absolutely no knowledge or skill. Um, And I look back and think, God knows how much asbestos I was near. Mm. But I knew nothing about it at that age. No, no, exactly. So I I think we, we, instead of educating society, we rely on employers to do the educating for us. I just think it's really, really poor. So Mavis, she passed away in November um, of last year. And so uh, our, our thoughts go out to her family. And uh, she does, she, she set up a, or, or the, the, there was a foundation that was set up while she was still alive, which is the Mavis Nye Foundation. So M-A-V-I-S, Nye is N-E nye foundation.com um so if you wanted to have a look find out anything more about mavis or learn more about mesothelioma in general and asbestos related uh, um illnesses and such you can always have a look on her on their website um so it's really sad that i was really yeah. shocked to be honest i don't know how i've missed that to be honest it's um, those algorithm things yeah, well, if she was someone that I followed and I never actually got the chance to meet or even see her speak live, but she was somebody that I sort of followed on LinkedIn for a number of years and she's always posted such amazing things and she she was always very busy and very proactive uh, for someone who was obviously very poorly as well. So, Does it say um, how old she was when she passed? No, I don't know actually. Because um, she travelled around the country. Mm. Well, I think she went sort of all over the place, didn't she? Yeah. Internationally she, as well. To be to be her age, to have that disease, and still keep on fighting to educate people, it's mm. just amazing. Oh, absolutely. And she will be... It'll be one of those names that will be synonymous for, for, for many, many years to come. Um, because of the work that she did and the influence that she had and her story about sort of, you know, because often I think the problem with mesothelioma is people don't have long enough to be able to actually share their story. It's one of those things which for most people, they have less than 12 months in diagnosis to actually, you know, uh, to, to, to them uh, to death. So it's um, 
to be able to go out and explain and talk to people and stand there and say this is something i have this is something that has personally touched me makes such an impact as well um so she'll definitely be have a huge lasting legacy so yes, i know i'm sorry i've sort of gone as off topic a little bit but no but it's us well we're here to talk about things so we can yeah. do that whatever we want right yeah exactly um, we don't even need a topic if we don't want one no just a general catch-up yeah there's another story sorry there's another don't one apologize we might we might never get to section seven at this yeah <laughs> um so i don't know how much you know about north wales lynn's because obviously you are weatherist and you've probably uh, never well, been up here there's a mountain i've climbed it <laughs> oh have you yes. snowden well yes you. there's a mountain <laughs> and uh, have you ever been very cold have you ever been to landed no uh i actually don't know is it near snowden um not necessarily near but not that far either no i mean it's, if it was in the surrounding it, miles i might have well you may have passed by on your way um but for those and i'm sure some of our listeners have been to Clandid. no it's, it's a big seaside destination particularly for people who live in the northwest it was kind of one of those childhood holidays that you would have gone on to somewhere like real or colwyn bay or Clandidno. Um, and it's still funded though now is still quite a big tourist destination and there is a uh, a mountain there not quite as big as snowden called the great orm um and the great orm is quite a popular place for people to climb up and it's got like a cable car across it and a little sort of cafe at the summit so it's quite a sort of popular destination for people coming to landed now and back in 2018 there was a um a scout troop that visited clandidno and they did a bit of a sort of hike on the great orm um absolutely devastatingly one of the scouts a 16 year old died whilst on this trip um and basically it was the trip was a two-day trip um it was sort of it was a trip mainly um to go to snowden like you mentioned but they were also going to go um or or the i think the weather had been bad so they decided rather than do snowden which is obviously a huge mountain they would take a they would go to the great orm which is much smaller um and they because of this change they actually never sort of did any risk assessments they never updated a risk assessment they never kind of reviewed their risk assessment because it was kind of a fairly quick change to the 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 sort of scheduled program but anyway um there was a group of children all the way from as young as five-year-olds so like beavers cubs and scouts who were on this this walk and they all had um their sort of i don't know whether they had their own plans of getting up this this hills you know so maybe something a little easier footpath for the younger ones slightly harder for the older scouts and stuff but none nevertheless this poor uh 16 year old boy his name was ben he got too close to the edge and he fell off and this is a mountain that is surrounded by the coastline of landed uh, the coastline of, of wales 
Um, so he got far too close to the edge and he slipped off the, the edge um, and died at the scene of quite serious head injuries. Um, and the reason I wanted to mention this was because the this is a case that's obviously relevant to where I live, but it's also a case that involves, once again, as we've already mentioned in previous episodes, when we talked about Section 3, non-workers. So even though Section 7 today is going to be about workers, it does involve the fact that these are children, these are non-workers, but they still require that same level of health and safety. And in fact, the this article, this this news story has come back up recently because of the fact that a, a coroner has actually said that it was the responsibility of the scout leaders that originally the scout leaders didn't take responsibility for this death. They, I think they sort of implied that Ben himself was a bit of a wild child. Oh, I have to say, I just, I can't stay quiet. That's ridiculous. I know, I know. I, I, I just can't even believe that an adult would say that. Yeah. So they kind of, there was like this implication that he had kind of purposely tried to sort of take unnecessary risks and such. But even if he had, because, hey, you've had a 16-year-old. Well, you've got a couple, you've had a couple of them, haven't you? Oh, well, I've, got, I've had one. I've got one coming up. Oh, how old is she? 15? Uh, no, she's 13 and a half. No way. Gosh, yeah, she's very so grown older. She's mature um, like her mother. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, but... You can, a 16-year-old is a child. Absolutely, absolutely. Even 18, yeah. even though legally you're an adult, there's still a lot of of immature thoughts and decisions that are made. Yes, and there's plenty of adults that are childish, for that Big. matter. But if you're in control of children, then you obviously, you can't... It, 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 we, there are so many, there, there are lots of instances in the past where a child has done something unsafe. I'm thinking actually one particular one, which was the Summerland fire that happened on the Isle of Man in the 1970s, which it resulted in 50 people dying. But when they investigated the fire, originally they put the cause of the fire of these two kids who were underage smoking. And they ended up, the only people involved in that fire that resulted in 50 people dying the only people prosecuted were the two children that were underage smoking and they got a fine. That is ridiculous. Yeah. So you're basically telling me that these children who were just sort of having a crafty cigarette implies that they were some somehow knew what they were doing and they understood their responsibilities and so on. If this lad, and obviously we don't know him or we don't know the scout troop, but we're going on the information that's provided. If this boy, Ben... Um, had he been responsible enough to go climb up the Great Orm on his own, he would have been on there on his own. But guess what? He wasn't. He was doing a group activity. And my son, my son is a cub. So they do all sorts of activities. They go camping. They do this. You expect the leaders of these organisations who are volunteers, yes, but you expect those people to be loco parentis for you when they do these activities. I can yeah. one up. My mum's a guide leader. Ooh, is she now? So, uh, and I, I pretty much put my house on it that my mum would say it is totally her responsibility to manage the children she takes. Yeah. And they and go off and do all adventures. For this boy, a trip around the, the Great Orm would have been pretty cool, you know. Um, but nonetheless, you know, it, it should have been looked after. And um, 
So I think it's taken, finally, the Scout Association has apologised to the parents of, of this boy for the comments they've made about him being, you know, this kind of wayward, wild child and goodness knows what. And finally, they have, the, the uh, coroner told jurors that this was a serious safety issue, that there should have been written risk assessments. That, that, for example, there was also no scout leader on the trip that had a first aid qualification either. Not that that would have necessarily saved the poor lad's life, but it certainly should be an absolute must that you have when you've got children from the age of five upwards, the potential of needing first aid is quite high, especially if you're walking up a hilly mountain, mountainous area, which supposedly was wet and it's going to happen, isn't it? You know? This is exactly the same as like people that run a, a business and they'll say... Yeah, but it cost me so much money to manage health and safety. It's so unfair. That's the, that's, that's the, the game. You run a business, you have to comply. You don't want to comply, don't run a business. It's the same if you're going to volunteer. And of course, it's their time. I get that. But you have to make a choice. If I volunteer, there's going to be certain duties I've got to comply with to make sure people are safe. If I don't have that time, I don't want to do it, don't offer your services because no. you put other people at risk. Absolutely. It's um, terrible. And that inquest is going is, is continuing on, so maybe we can uh, update on that as it perhaps for our next episode or something like that. But I thought it was an interesting one because I think through the podcast, I know we've got these sort of topics that we focus on, but I think if something jumps out and I think, oh, that that's something that really does demonstrate another side of safety and the importance of safety, and we're talking about a 16-year-old boy here, and there should never have been even if that boy had been doing something unsafe the leaders that were in charge of that situation should have dealt with that and said right ben sorry you're being silly we've got to get you back to the bus you know we're going to have to take you home um or whatever the situation you have to call the trip short because you can't behave safely or whatever you know if that had been the case they should have gone right let's stop this activity it's not safe because that's what we talk about we talk about that in the workplace you know stop and make safe and we should apply that to any situation we're in, whether it's home, leisure, whatever. If you don't feel safe, stop what you're doing, make it safe. Yeah. You know? Well, same as a supervisor. A supervisor has a duty because they are there to mm. ensure that the rules are followed, complied with. They take people away from a situation if it's not complied with. My eldest, we call him Tricky Wolf because he can be a bit tricky, um, he wasn't allowed to go on the school ski trip because he had messed around a couple of times at school and got in trouble and they said we can't take you with because we can't allow that kind of behavior to pop up when we've got 30 kids on a mountain in austria precisely because it's an assess a risk assessment and as much as i agree as much as it may have been unfair of him they also have to consider themselves and everybody else that they've got with him you know absolutely hence why Um, i went totally agree because mm. you know it's not we sometimes i think we feel so entitled as individuals that we should be able to do this we should be able to do that but actually we have to think about the larger group of people how our actions will affect others it's not just us mm. absolutely and does that yes. slightly lead us on maybe absolutely does although <laughs> just quickly yeah, just quickly I, I was looking where Slandudno is Oh, yes. And I was looking at all the other names. So I just want you to tell me if I'm right. There's a place called Rill. Rill, R-H-Y. Yes. Is that how you say it? 
Real, yeah. Okay, then I've got Betwis Ye Coed. Is that right? Oh my god, the the Welsh police are coming out. (laughs) I don't mind that. Betasy Coed. Oh, okay. Which means something like River Through the Trees or something like that. Uh, I've definitely been to Blanau Festinog. Flestiniog. Blanau Festiniog. I've definitely been there. I know that rings a bell. And this one, Pen. Rin Judraeth. Penrin Daedraeth. Which I don't I don't even know if I'm saying that right now. Penny Groves. Penrin Daedraeth, I think. Penny Groyce. Oh Groyce, okay. And one more. One more this way. I'm gonna try and do it with a lucker. Fwelly. I don't even know what you're saying there. Fwelly. Does it begin with a P? Yeah, P W L L H. What do you mean, Patheli? Patheli. Well, with a P W L, is it a yes. <laughs> My goodness me! I know more <clears throat> Spanish than I do Welsh. The the um, the Welsh have have their own alphabet as well, because they actually have they have a letter that is two L's together. So a letter of the Welsh alphabet is an L, but it's also a double L as well. So and that's when, a, yeah, that's the which a lot of people struggle to because it's well, like, that's why we call it Landudno. Yes, but it's actually it's good if you've got a lisp like me. It makes it easier, I think. Yeah, I, I, you just I, sort I, of spit all over everybody while you're doing it. <laughs> I love it. Do you know what? Um, Gilbert, my son, was was singing Christmas a Christmas Welsh song in his Christmas play. And he was trying to teach it to me. And uh, I think it's great. It's great. I said to him, do you realise that you can speak two languages? He's like, no, I can't. I said, yes, you, you've just sung in Welsh. Of course you can. So, yeah, I love it. Put that on his CV. I know. Well, it's a glorious sunny day. It's cold up here today, but it's absolutely a perfectly blue sky. So you're missing out being down in the south. But I'm going to Wales. You are. Yes, we need to, we need to plan our little celebratory trip don't we yes abba fan abba fan um i don't know more where... on that later yes south wales abba fan is uh let me look right section seven of the health and safety at work act well we did actually lead into it because we are talking about people thinking that they're entitled yes and but actually then you randomly went i know how do I was... you say all these welsh <laughs> names at least i've learned something it is hard because I'm not Welsh, I'm English. So I, I try my best and there's probably people listening going, oh, she's murdering those we're, words. We're never listening to this podcast again. <laughs> but it's it's always worth having a go, isn't it? Yeah. I think people respect you more if you at least try. It's like when you Maybe. go to Spain, if you just say, you know, adios, amigo. No, it's different. Something. No, if you don't get it right, they act like they have no idea what you're saying. No. And you have to put like an accent on a, a letter and then you get it right and they go, oh, okay. And they know exactly what I'm saying. But when you try and speak Spanish, they just speak back to you in English. I find that as well. But I just think, well, at least I've tried. Yes. You know. Hola, buenos dias. Don't ask me anymore, that's about all I've got. Oh, yeah, but I don't know how to answer that. Uh, I could yeah. have said, okay. <laughs> yes. I've been doing Duolingo. I just, I really struggle with learning languages. Oh, it's hard. It is really. For me, it's really difficult. 
I think it's a side of your brain thing, I think. Oh, well, we like all know a... I've got issues there. Yes. <laughs> oh, no comment. Right, come on. So I've, I've got Section 7 open. Yeah. Uh, so we're still under the Health and Safety at Work Act 1974. We're moving down to Section 7, which is General Duties of Employees at Work. So it shall be the duty of every employee while at work to A, take reasonable care for the health and safety of himself and of other persons who may be affected by his acts or omissions at work. Love that. Straightforward, easy to say, totally says what it means. And section B, as regards any duty or requirement imposed on his employer or any other person by or under any of the relevant statutory provisions, okay, to cooperate with him so far as is necessary to enable that duty or requirement to be performed or complied with. So while there's a little bit of fuzziness in that, actually, again, it says exactly what it it means. Yes, relatively. So if we start with the beginning, it shall be the duty. So you've got to do it, must. Absolutely, no excuses, no reasonably practicable. You must do it. Mm -hmm. So you must take reasonable care for the health and safety of you as an as a person and of any other person whether that's a colleague or a member of public or a visitor to your premises who may be affected by what you do or what you fail to do at work yeah so first of all reasonable care the reasonable care approach is effectively what you would expect somebody to do to protect your health, safety and welfare at work. Now, so this is basically when we look at taking reasonable care, it's, it's sort of almost what the, the social expectation would be for taking care to protect someone's well-being. So this is not purposely putting someone in harm's way, this is taking sort of reasonable precautions. So if you know somebody or something is unsafe, saying to somebody, don't do that, it's unsafe, that sort of thing. And of course, they have to take their take their own health and safety, uh, protect their own health and safety as well. So again, taking reasonable care to protect themselves. Because what this is basically saying is you just can't come into work and expect your organization your employer to sort of parent you you do have to look after yourself as well so if you drive to work and you drive to work safely following the speed limits following the highway code the expectation is you're going to continue to do that if you're driving for work as well you're not suddenly going to go well my boss never told me and therefore i don't know what i'm supposed to do it's sort of taking that those reasonable precautions we've got to set a benchmark of what an adult employee yes. should be able to manage as a physical, uh, 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 physically able, mentally able, that, that benchmark of you should be able to do this without needing any guidance, without needing a reminder. Um, maybe, obviously, we're supervised just to ensure that we're doing things, but people have got to have a basic level of expectation of what they should be able to do. Mm. Yeah. Otherwise, absolutely. it would be chaos, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, interestingly, just just to, to sort of contextualise this, because obviously we're talking about a piece of of legislation here, um, which, of course, if we fail to comply with, we end up with the same sort of potential repercussions as any other 
piece of law that you know that, that we're required to adhere to and actually there are there aren't that many cases that have been brought against employees it, it's a sort of fairly rarely used piece of legislation i think because of this term reasonable care i think it's there's um I don't know whether there's a kind of lack of clear understanding. And so it's quite easy to kind of say, well, we did everything we could have done, um, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I did everything that I believed to be reasonable. Um, and so it, it's not a piece of, of law that is kind of widely used um, in terms of breaches. Um, the There was a case brought against a um, nursery manager a number of years ago under section seven and this was a particular case where a, a little girl I think she was she was only um, I don't know about three or four years old or maybe even younger and she died whilst in the care of the nursery um, and there was the nursery guilt the the nursery worker was found guilty but the nursery manager was also um being tried for failings under section 7 um so the the nursery worker was deemed to be hadn't taken reasonable care to protect this child whereas the nursery manager was not held individually responsible um whereas the individual uh, nursery worker was so I think it's a bit harder in some cases to pinpoint than perhaps some of the other pieces of law. Um, and I think the reason for that is that it's it, in a lot of cases, it needs a sort of expert really to say, is this reasonable? Is this not reasonable? Um, well, the so other if... problem is we're also individual. And when we talk about behavioural safety mm. and we talk about people's values, people's beliefs, it's it's very difficult to set that fine, finite standard mm. of what a person should or shouldn't be able to do. Mm. Because things that I'm able to do and understand will all have stemmed from what I've gone through in my life, what I've learned, the places I've been, the people I've met. And so someone that is my age, my weight, my height, sorry about that, <laughs> um, will have a different knowledge base to me. Mm. So yeah. it's very, very difficult. And and I think the other thing with this is, of course, remembering that this is where a um, a specific individual worker is identified or, as, you know, as the person that failed and therefore that led to a breach or harm and again that can make it quite difficult to put put the blame purely and solely on an individual because usually there are lots of other circumstances involved as well um, well i'm guessing if a company has got health and safety down to the t and someone gets hurt we're going to fall to section seven but find me a business in the United Kingdom that's got health and safety 100% on the nose. Nothing that any everything that happened in the incident has absolutely nothing to do with any failings of the business, and you're probably not going to find it. 
no exactly and i think that you know if there is some shadow as to whether the, the employer did everything they, they should have done then of course that would be more likely to be a more successful prosecution potentially against the organization but if say for example a staff member had loads of previous warnings for sort of fa safety failings so maybe they'd they'd been picked up on unsafe acts in the past that might mean that it would be more likely that that individual will be prosecuted because there's clear evidence that you've tried to improve their behaviors maybe you you warned them you stuck them on a training course you gave them some mentoring or whatever and they're still failing to work safely then that might be where we then come at the you know the law then would would be invoked in terms of coming at an individual and companies will have most likely by that point taken that person out of that working situation i guess a bit like speeding i mean, i don't 100 percent know because i haven't had a speeding point since i was 19 but you can if you get caught speeding you can go on a speed awareness course hmm. and i think you can do that a couple of times and then after that that's when you have to take points so they're kind of going through the motions yeah i think it's some and i'm not quite sure um how how many you're allowed before it's it's sort of you're clearly you know not learning your lesson um but certainly yes i i would i would imagine that if perhaps the employee has a record that demonstrates that we've just tried to educate them and it's not worked um, i think another thing would also be is there a safe system of work because one of the other points you know that that's under this piece that that point b is to, to to follow what you've been told to do and if you haven't been told to do anything well that would fall on the employer because they should have given you instruction and they haven't if they have given you instruction and you're deliberately choosing to go against the instruction then that falls on you again but you've also individual. got the legal duty to have the supervision in place to ensure that people are complying mm -hmm. and so the companies are probably getting to it before you're able to do that harm yes well you'd hope they would but i guess there could be some potential wriggle room or not on supervision it might be the type of job that you're doing it wouldn't be reasonably practicable to have supervision maybe you're working you know out on the road alone and you know something goes wrong because you're not following the safe systems of work yeah and you know you you didn't do a dynamic risk assessment or something like that and you should have done because what we have to accept is the fact that most businesses aren't trying to hurt people but it happens accidentally and it, sometimes it happens accidentally because somebody goes oh, i just want to get home early you know they're not they're not planning in the head oh i want to hurt that child i want to hurt that member of the public i want to hurt my co-worker they're just cutting a corner because they think it's going to save them some time maybe they'll get on tea break earlier or, or whatever it might be but actually then because of the corner being cut you're not considering the repercussions it's like when people speed as you mentioned before people speeding for example they think they're getting from a to b a bit quicker and that's going to save them some time it may save them you know seconds you know a minute off their journey but actually the risk is much greater than the benefit and the reward of that extra minute right but um, people don't see it that way because for them what they're doing is important yeah I, I always say that you know 
people when you race up the motorway come up behind me flashing me because you want to go past at 110 miles an hour what you're doing is actually really selfish because not only are you putting my life at risk you're affecting my two children you're affecting tiny dog you're affecting my my parents so it's but we don't think that way do we because at the time what we're doing is so important and also we probably that that person's probably thinking i'm a really good driver even right. though i'm driving 110 miles per hour we've had it here and um i've seen it a few times because now we have these 20 mile an hour speed limits in in, in wales i was gonna say in spain no in wales <laughs> um people are they'll overtake you doing 20 and not only is it against the law and whether you agree with it or disagree with it you're happy about it or not that's the speed limit and so you overtaking somebody in a area that is 20 there's a reason why it's 20 either because it's a built-up area and therefore there's a potential that people could be crossing a road or getting out of vehicles or something like that but also potentially because there's been accidents in the past where speed played a factor in there and that's why the speed has dropped down so if then you're overtaking you're putting oncoming traffic at risk people crossing the road as well as other drivers just for the sake of a little bit extra time right but actually that leads quite well into section b because we're talking about something being in place that you're choosing not to comply with because you don't think it's necessary Mm -hmm. but actually when you're in the workplace you don't have that choice so section b says any duty or requirement that is put onto your employer so that to to comply with we actually have a duty to cooperate with that requirement you can't say for it let's say there's a 10 mile an hour speed limit in the car park you can't go 20 miles an hour because you think that 10 miles an hour is too slow and that going at 20 miles an hour won't do much more damage you actually have a legal duty to comply with that rule you can't pick and choose no exactly and you know it's like if you've been sent on a training course and you don't see why you've been sent on that training course well obviously the employer has identified that there is either a risk or there's a concern or perhaps there's a best practice standard that says go on a training course Mm -hmm. and therefore that's why they're doing it so the part your your point your part as an employee is to work in collaboration is to sit there on that training course and to listen you know um to bear i even dare i even say actively engage you know as a trainer it would be lovely if people actually did that but i sometimes wish that the employers could be a fly on the wall when they've sent delegates onto training courses because some of the things that they do and they say i remember having one course where i was teaching and on the lunch break the worker actually thought it was appropriate to order themselves a pint of beer at lunchtime and uh you're on a course you're being paid you're on company time would you normally order yourself a, a pint on your, Potent- your but lunch, yeah potentially on your yes break? well they might do but i would think it was probably highly unlikely um and that you know they just thought they were getting a day off work yeah, yeah. well it's not but- a day off work it, this is part of your job duties as training. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's what a company should really pay a lot more interest in how their employees engage with the training course because it tells you a lot about your staff that you probably don't see mm. on a regular basis. Well, sometimes you get people who are just downright rude 
and they are potentially to me as a trainer that's the first uh, reflection I have of that of that company that they're they're representing yeah and so you think mm, god I want to work for them they sound horrible yeah um but you know, I mean, I've had this before where people go I, I you know I don't don't want to involve they don't want to engage with activities they don't it's pointless I don't want to do it and you think my word what would your managers say what would your supervisor say if because because ironically of course Linz, we get assessed don't we as trainers yeah but we are rarely asked for feedback on the delegates very rarely Mm, very rarely I mean I do if somebody has like the person who drank the pint of beer I did obviously feed that back because that was just well that was shocking to say the least because I've a I'd never experienced that before as far as I was aware um but also it it, it was uh, it kind of it reflect it makes a point to all the other students on the course that if I just went oh yeah just fine you know get drunk it's fine what kind of what does that say to the rest of the students oh it's fine it's not really that serious health and safety you know but well, so. training is I was thinking about this yesterday actually training is such a big part of compliance if you're going to send an employee on a training course so that they can be a part of helping you to meet your legal requirements or duties that are imposed on you why do we send them on training courses with random people why do we book a training course because the course is titled what we want and actually have no idea who's going to be delivering it mm. it's it's we could deliver an irish managing safely you could deliver one i could deliver one and we could have two other people deliver them and it would be really interesting to see what those four groups took back from that training course because if you if you're giving the content but not looking at who's delivering it how they're delivering it i'm i'm sure that you would have a massive range of what people took away from that course oh yeah apart from me and you because we're we're very much alike in how (laughs) we are (laughs) but it's um it's such a big part of compliance uh, we always say, how can you expect people to do a job safely if they aren't trained on how to do it? So they send them on the training course. They get a shiny certificate and they go, oh, well, they've done it. They must be competent. And it was delivered by someone that hates their job. They've been training for 30 years and they can't bear it anymore. Their people skills have dropped through the floor. And yet we think that that's okay because they went on a course and they got a certificate. But people yeah. can't comply if they don't have the right level of training no no exactly and and i think i think the sort of takeaway for this if you're sat there listening as an employee is the basic premise that you aren't off the hook you know you have that that responsibility to do what your employer has asked you to do to look after yourself to work together you know um and and to to, to, to try and, and keep others and yourself safe, you know, not unnecessarily taking risks. If you know that there is a procedure or if you know that something doesn't feel safe, as we've already discussed, stop it, check, ask, speak to somebody. And even though, as I've mentioned at the beginning, prosecutions under Section 7 are rare, it does happen. Um, there has been prosecutions and the prosecution in terms of penalty can be ranging anywhere from 
a prison sentence so usually somewhere between sort of six to two years in custody and fines so um, I've got a little stat here which is slightly outdated but um, it does say that um, between a particular period of time between a 12-year period of time I think this is from 2000 to 2012 there were 181 successful convictions under section 7 of the health and safety at work app with fines ranging between 240 pounds to 200 so to 22 and a half thousand pounds in fines that's a lot um, of money but i think so the, the important thing here is we don't we shouldn't be looking at the law and saying that we we want to comply with it because we might get prosecuted we know there's not that many prosecutions um the law's not made up no one sat down and said oh should we do a section seven just because we feel like it mm. they've done it because they recognize that people play a part in ensuring that the health and safety management system works mm. so the law's there because we know there's a risk it's so we should be complying for the fact that we know it's important to comply mm. not complying because we don't want to get prosecuted yeah so it's it's not written on the back of a matchbox just because someone was bored one day. No. People play a massive part in ensuring that the system that the company have created can actually be carried out. I, I get, um, dealing with face masks, I get a lot of people saying, can't I just sign a piece of paper to say, I'm all right not <laughs> to wear the mask? Number one, why would you do that? You could potentially be breathing in a cancer-causing dust but number two, you actually don't have that right. You don't have the power when you're an employee to say, I don't want to use that. At home, you can do whatever you want. But at work, there is a legal duty for you to do as asked to ensure that the health and safety requirements can be met. Absolutely. And of course, that duty sits under the Health and Safety at Work Act, but it's also within your contract of employment as well. So, yes, you might not find yourself on the wrong side of health and safety law, but you might find yourself at the, uh, the job centre because nobody wants to ha be working with somebody or, or hire somebody, of course, who is not going to work safely, who's going to take unnecessary risks because it's not good for the, for the organisation. It's not good for morale. There are so many other repercussions. So even if you don't find yourself, uh, you know, like so many others have in the past, um, ending up in court this might still be a significant impact on your on your job and your job prospects if you don't follow these things um, it's also a society thing as well don't you think so yeah um having children we both do the best we can to lead by example mm. um it's the same in the workplace if you've been working for 30 40 years and you think that these control measures are boring and unnecessary then you get a new starter 19 20 years old very motivated uh, in terms of health and safety because we've got better education now they turn up high vis hard hard hat face mask and you go oh mate we only wear that when health and safety turn up <laughs> that youngster now goes oh yeah okay um yeah i'm not going to wear it either I mean, imagine if you knew that someone was saying to your kids ah just run across the road don't worry it'd be fine we only we only um only cross properly when our boss is here you would be fuming, mm. wouldn't you? And yet that's what we're doing in the workplace. We're taking it on upon ourselves to say, oh, we don't like this control measure, we're not going to use it, and you're influencing other people. And it's atrocious, but we don't see it that way because we've got this 
twisted mindset now that health and safety is there to be a pain in the rear where we've got to start changing it up and saying actually we all play a part every single person should be leading by example and setting a standard for other people yeah and talking about the case that we spoke about at the beginning about the sort of scouts group and the young lad that died there the reason we talk about these cases and we've talked about all sorts of cases over the, 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 the months that we've been doing the podcast is because it's trying to make it real. It's trying to remind everybody that there are real people that are being affected, that this isn't something that me and Lindsay are just going, well, let's just get on our bandwagon and, and talk about this because we find it fun. We're also trying to diligently improve everybody's working lives and also educate people so that they can see that this is really happening. There's a particular case which I'm sure everybody listening will be aware of, and that is the Hillsborough football disaster. Um, and actually, one of the people that the uh, he was actually a, a safety officer, a guy called Graham Mackerel, he was convicted um, for an offence under Section 7 of the Health and Safety at Work Act because he played a part in the tragedy that led to the 96 people dying and all those hundreds of other people that were injured. He ended up being fined um, and uh, in total his fine and, and, and combined costs were over £11,000 that he had to pay. Again, it's just another example where as a worker you can't just go, well, I'm not going to do it. No one else is doing it. I've got no responsibilities. If you're being asked to take part in something, if you have a job that has responsibilities that go with that, whatever job role it is, whether you're at the top of the chain or at the bottom of the chain, you have a responsibility under Section 7 as a worker, as an employee to protect people. And of course, we're also going to talk about in uh, a later episode, we're going to talk more specifically about the more senior people within organisations as well. And we have a special guest that's going to be joining us for that, where we're going to be talking about um, Section 36 and 37 of the Health and Safety at Work Act, which relates to not only individuals being prosecuted and the ability that the law has to prosecute individuals, but also those in more senior positions such as directors and, and so on. So that might be relevant for you if you're listening and you're perhaps a business owner or you're a more senior person within an organisation. It might be worth looking out for that episode in the future. I'm very excited for that one because I'm a big fan of our, yes. our guest. Our, our special guest, yes. yes. I was proper fangirling. Um, <laughs> she was good. <laughs> We've already recorded that one, so we already know that that's coming up and it's a real treat and we're hoping we can give, we can bag her back again in the future as well. So it's definitely oh, yeah. one to, to, to listen out to. 100%. So I think that's... Um, I think that's us for today. Again, as always, if you have any questions, any feedback, comments, we're always listening. We're always interested to hear what what you know what you'd like from the podcast, how you'd like it to go. And of course, if you want to join us, we'd love to hear from things from people such as business owners because we'd love to get your take on this. And and perhaps we can do a sort of um, a, a little bit of a, a support Q&A session or something like that so if you've got any questions queries anything like that please get in touch with us the best way is probably through Instagram or via our email which is so Instagram we've actually had some really um, good interactions people are following and, and commenting on posts so Instagram is healthandsafety.angels and being A-N-D um, or you can 
go via the email route, which is healthandsafetyangels at gmail.com. Thank you, Ms. Mason. Thank you, Ms. Silcock. That was, sorry, that was a bit of a delay. I was trying to, I was just having a sip of water. I was trying to say, unmute myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have really enjoyed this episode. I think it's been good having a, a chat and um, gets people hearing about us a little bit more as well. Get to know us as individuals rather than just a voice that tells you what the law says. And uh, selfishly, I have a lot of fun when we do that. I don't think it's selfish. I think it's great. We'll see you next time. Thank you, everybody. Take care. Bye.